it's, uh, it's, it's something that is, um, you know, th- this time of year with, with something like that and, and with just the, the whole feel of the way that, uh, that Christmas is in terms of w- who Jesus really is, is something that, that I think can sometimes get lost in, in this time of year. As we've been talking the last uh, few weeks about who Jesus really is, and we've looked at the idea of what child is this, um, as the kids sang about it, you know, born is the king, it's Christmas. And while it is fun and cute and all of that good stuff, the idea of that, of who Jesus really is, that he is the king that was born and came here to this earth for us, and how much uh, maybe we take for granted for that, let's not look aside from the fact that God came to be with us, and that is something we should not take lightly. As, uh, as this Christmas, and, uh, and Christmas for, uh, you know, a lot of people, can, can be a, a range of emotions, especially after the last 18 months plus, uh, something like that. We, uh, we've had a range of emotions from, from what has just happened in our world. And that joy, that excitement of Christmas is, is an awesome thing, but there's also sadness and, and grieving in many ways too. And, and this particular year, there's, there has been a lot of loss in various ways. Um, but as we take today and we look at who Jesus is and we look at who, uh, who he really is to us and we look at God's word, I, I want us to walk out of here today encouraged. We should be encouraged today because of who Jesus is and, and what that really means for us as believers this week of Christmas because the nature of his being, the nature of who Jesus is, is what makes this time of year so special. Um, the fact that he came to this earth. And so with everything in our world feeling unstable and falling apart and all of those things, um, to center our minds and our hearts on the birth of Jesus um, and the promises that come along with that is something that I think we could all use right now and this week. So as we talk about who Jesus is and, and answering this question, what child is this? I want to look to a verse that we've been looking at for the, for the last few weeks in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you are new with us, um, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad to have you. And you can follow along on the Bible app uh, that is, uh, is free on any app store. And you can look up Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. And you can follow along with my notes right there. For those of you watching online, obviously it's the same thing there. And, and, uh, and it's great to... To, to have us all to be able to, to, to look at those things together and to be able to refer to them later as well. Um, so as, as we get into uh, to the word here, I want to look at this verse that really is our centering verse, not, not just for the last few weeks, but for today and moving into this weekend as well. And so this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This verse was written about 700 years before Jesus was born. It was a prophecy, but it was also that idea of the gift of Jesus and what was coming with the Messiah. And and these aspects of him and his character are not things necessarily that are the name of the Messiah, but, but the things in which he brings as our Messiah. And so all of these things refer to Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And so as we've looked at the, at the first three, wonderful, wonderful counselor and mighty God, today I want to look at the idea of Jesus as our everlasting father because he is our everlasting father. It's the, the third name given to him in, in this passage. Now, we all have fathers, 
or none of us would be here, right? Um, and we all have different relationships with them. We all have different relationships with, with our father, some good, some not so good. Um, I, I have four kids of my own, um, four biological kids. I have a couple of more um, that, are, uh, that we kind of consider our kids and our family, but uh, you know, 11, 12 years of youth ministry will do that to you. Um, but you know, inevitably, I fall short often. I fail. I don't always do everything right as a dad. Um, a few Christmases ago, 2016, uh, I kind of did just that. Um, my son, Gavin, my oldest, um, he got a Nerf gun. And this wasn't just a normal Nerf gun like with the darts, right? This is a, a rival. It's a rival gun, right? Yeah, where's he at? Oh, he's running a camera. Hey, buddy. Um, yeah, he's going to enjoy this. Um, it's a rival gun, and so it doesn't just shoot normal darts, for those of you that know Nerf guns. It shoots these, um, like, balls that are, like, about this. It shoots pretty high-powered. And, uh, and so he got two of them for Christmas, and we were trying to figure out kind of how to get it to shoot, and so wasn't quite sure where the safety was. And anyway, take a look at this video, and, uh, and you'll kind of see what happened here. Now, this is Gavin in the back. Um, right there. And Got it. Yeah, he, he figures it out. And I can see why now. Yeah. Says, shoot. Don't. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. So. Just... It was hilarious. <laughs> I was just shooting. <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> Not my best moment as a dad. Promise, I wasn't aiming at him. I was just like, oh, hey, there's the safety. And just happened to be, you know, sights were aimed the place you don't want them to be. Um, and uh, I have yet to live that down and definitely won't now, um, for sure. Not, not my best moment as a dad. Um, and, and while that's kind of a funny one and, and all of that, I've as, as I know we all have, we've all failed. And while we could say, yeah, it's not my best moment is that, I've, I've definitely had some other moments, some worse moments that definitely <laughs> make that one look, you know, not that big of a deal because we all fail. Because we're all messed up and we all fall short. And while I am father to Gavin and, and Allie and Lincoln and Wilson, I'm not a forever father. I'm not a forever father. I'm, I'm going to pass someday, as we all will. But Jesus, he is a forever father, and he is exactly what we need. He is exactly what we need. And, and when my kids need something, I go to them. When my kids uh, cry, I, I go. If they want me for something, I'm, I'm there. I'll, I'll go to them. Um, I'll never kick them out. I'll never tell them that, the, that they're not loved and, and not welcome here. I, I unconditionally love them as best as I can. And that's as far as I can go, as best as I can. And what I am in a mediocre at best way to them as compared to Jesus, who is in a perfect way, everything, and the best father to everyone who believes in him. And we see this, we see the power, we see the everlasting father in a tiny baby because we see the love of God sleeping in a stable and we realize the power that's there.
So when we say Jesus is an everlasting father, how can Jesus be our everlasting father? How, how can he be our everlasting father? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at that here. Because in the Hebrew, the original language that it was written, the phrase literally means the father of eternity. So the father of eternity, and that speaks to the purpose of his coming. Because every one of these names that's in, in this passage in Isaiah in, in many ways speaks to the purpose of his coming and for his reason for being here. And the answer comes in, in, in a really proper understanding of the word uh, for father. The, the Old Testament Jew that would have read this passage would understand the use of the word meaning uh, the originator of, the author of. Um, and so when Isaiah uses this term in Isaiah, he's, he's meaning the, like the father of everything which is everlasting, everything which is eternal in that way. A few chapters later in Isaiah chapter 40, he says this, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. No one can fathom. Speaking to his fatherly qualities here, God is eternal. He is eternal and therefore he provides and extends into eternity. Into eternity. And we know as Jesus is the second person of the Trinity that, that he was there in the beginning. We know that in John chapter 1 where it talks about how in the word uh, and, and referring to Jesus that he was there in the beginning. In Genesis, when, it's, when, when God says, let us create man in our own image, who is he talking to? Jesus has always been there and will always be there. Jesus Christ has the Father qualities wrapped in him as well as the originator of eternity. He is everlasting. He invented the idea of eternity because he always has been and always will be. He is the great I am. And your life as a believer is tied to his and you will only live as long as he is going to live, which is forever. And this word father referring to the, the producer and the generator, he is our source, our provider, our protector. And he brought us into being and he sustains our lives through his power. And the disciples knew this as well. Those that walked with Jesus, they, they ended up when it was all said and done and, and they realized who they had been walking with after Jesus had, had died and, and he rose again and, and ascended and left us with our mission as the church. They realized a lot of these things. They realized a lot of it. Um, and in the book of 1 John, which was written to believers, but it was written to believers who some had, had abandoned their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. So when you read the book of 1 John, uh, you, you need to realize that, that a lot of what he's writing is to uh, remind people and reassure people that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was who he said he was because you had a lot of people who still believed in God but didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And so if you read 1 John, you need to read with that perspective. In fact, for any of you that maybe watch my Coffee with Connect videos that are on YouTube and Facebook on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9.30, I went through the entire book of 1 John verse by verse by verse. So if you're looking for maybe a Bible study to do, I want to encourage you to maybe go back to the June 8th, 2021 episode, and you can start there and go through the entire book of 1 John. But if you, uh, if you flip to 1 John chapter 3, I want you to read this and with me here and see exactly what we're talking about when we say Jesus is our everlasting father. First John chapter three, beginning right at the very beginning. 
So see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. We see the emphasis here on, uh, on our parentage. And we are not of this world. If we're followers of Jesus and we are not of this world, we weren't as, just as people, we weren't created to, to be a part of this world forever. And some people don't get that because they don't know him and that doesn't really comprehend because they're not followers of him. And so I say again, as I've said in the past, let's not be surprised when people who are unbelievers act like people who are unbelievers. John actually says that in here in, in his own way. Let's not be surprised when we, we as the church, as followers of Jesus, we put these expectations on others who maybe aren't followers of Christ and we wonder why they're not acting like followers of Christ. Why? If they're not followers of Jesus, let's not put that unrealistic expectation on them. We shouldn't be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers, but we should love them and we should accept them and we should do our best to share the good news of our, ever, of our everlasting father with him. And so when he talks about what we have to look forward to, we do have a lot to look forward to because we are his kids. And people who are unbelievers are not. And they don't have that to look forward to. And so again, to share that good news with people. But it's so incredible and so amazing that he doesn't even attempt to explain it here. Because how can you? How can you explain really what it's going to be like? How can you grasp it to be with God? The Bible does, humanly speaking, as, as great a job as it possibly can. But let's be honest here. We don't have the mind of God. We don't have the understanding of him, which, it's, which it does explain here. And you, and you can't even really get your head around it. And none of that can happen until Jesus returns when he fulfills the promise for us to be like him, whatever that means. <laughs> We have some ideas and some aspects of what that can mean, but we're not really going to fully understand the pure glory, the full glory, and, and even comprehend right now the un, unhindered, unres, unrestricted presence of God. Can you imagine that? Honestly, can you imagine that right now? It's really hard to. And because of all of that, right, because he is guiding, he is directing us, he is growing us, to be more like him, which is the goal, then he completely fills the role as father. He completely fills the role as our father. He fulfills his role in every way and in ways that no one ever can. In ways that no one ever can. Some of us, some of us have maybe had bad relationships with our fathers or, or no relationships, and, and we all yearn for that, for love and acceptance of a dad. Everybody kind of yearns for that. We really do. Study after study actually shows that our relationship with our fathers is the most, hear me on this, our relationship with our fathers is the most shaping relationship in our lives. It is the relationship that shapes us the most. One statistic shows that 71% of high school dropouts 
71% of high school dropouts are from a fatherless home. Some of us have had great fathers. I've had an amazing, great father, continue to. Some have had difficult relationships or maybe even none. And you may be in a place where you've been so hurt that you think, you're like, Jay, I can't even think of God as a father with any kind of joy or happiness because my dad was so awful. My dad rejected me. He was abusive. It was the worst. Can I just ask you for a second to maybe flip your lens for the next few minutes? If we look at our earthly fathers through the lens of the heavenly father instead of the other way around, Look at our earthly father through the lens of the heavenly father because he is the father that you were created for. Think about that. He is the father you were created for. So let's find our completion in Jesus as our father. That, and he may give you the ability to come to terms with that. Maybe even forgive your earthly father. So I want to use scripture for the next few minutes to point out a few ways that Jesus is the father that you have always wanted and always needed. And I just want you to quiet your mind, quiet your heart, and listen to the words of scripture for the next few minutes. Because Jesus, as our everlasting father, he supports us. He supports us. It says in Psalm 18, you have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. Listen, he is cheering you on. He is cheering you on and giving you support at every turn. At every turn. And he is crazy about you in ways that you can't even imagine, in ways that, that don't even make sense. And Jesus will always be in your corner. They don't make sense, humanly speaking. But he loves you so much that you can't even get your head around it. And he is always going to be there to support you and lift you up. And he comforts us. He supports us and he comforts us. In John 14, 16 through 18, it says, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. These are the words of Jesus speaking here. See, he's always with us through the Holy Spirit, speaking to us, whispering to us, giving us rest when we need it. Some of us have maybe had absent fathers. Or they left or they passed away or just weren't there when they should have been. Listen, Jesus is always there. He will always be there. And there is nothing, nothing that can separate him from you. Because he sustains us as well. He sustains us. It means he strengthens us and supports us. He carries the weight and keeps us going. Some of us are carrying a lot of weight that we need to let Jesus carry. Psalm 55 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never 
let the righteous be shaken. Do you hear that? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But listen, if we're not drawing on that strength, if we're not reaching out to him and drawing on that strength, we're not gonna find it. Colossians chapter one, verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. See, he keeps us going. He keeps us going and he will never let us go or leave us hanging because he is holding everything together. Listen, Jesus is never gonna drop the ball. He's never gonna just leave you hanging. He's never just gonna go, nope, you messed up too much there, I'm out. That's not him and it never will be because he provides for us as well. He provides for us. Matthew 6, 25 through 26. Again, Jesus speaking, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food in the body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? Are you not much more important to God than the birds? You better believe you are. His way of providing, it's always right on time and it's always exactly enough. It's always just what we need. As we looked at Galatians 4 last week that talks about how in the fullness of time, Jesus came at just the right time, Jesus showed up. And in just the right time in your life, he will show up. Because if God provides for the birds and takes care of them, he, you can expect him in all the right ways to take care of you. But I want you to take note of something here. The birds, no, they don't worry, but they do work. They do work. They don't just sit with their mouths open, expecting food to drop in, little baby birds do. But once they grow up, once they get moving, see, God provides a way and that may require some action on our part. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You see that? All your needs, not all your wants, all your needs. The worry that many of us have, the stress, the anxiety that many of us have over material things of life is rooted in our low understanding of our value before God. Hear what I'm saying on this. If, if we think that we are worthless to God, then of course we're gonna worry about the material things in this world. If we don't really believe in our value to the Lord, we can't comprehend how much he loves and cares about us. I'm telling you, you can't, you can't comprehend it. You cannot totally understand it. You matter so much to him. You matter so much to him. And don't forget it. This Christmas season and every day, you need to remember how much you matter to Jesus. He loves you and he loves us. And as our everlasting father, he loves us. Romans 8, 38. It's one of my favorite passages. I'm glad I'm standing because it's hard to read out loud without just standing up. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. You see that? Nothing, 
Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. There's nothing you can do to step away and make him step away from you. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Listen, I know that there are things that go on in our life, that go on in your life, stuff that makes you feel unworthy, stuff that you've gone through. This world beats you down. It beats us all down. Nothing. Paul says, I am convinced. Listen, this guy was thrown in jail multiple times. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was attempted to be killed. He was bitten. He was shipwrecked many times. He was bitten by snakes. He, I mean, you name it, it's probably on the list. You think things are awful right now and, and, it's, and it's hard to stay focused and, and on, on the Lord. Listen, read, read what Paul's gone through. It'll encourage you. It'll encourage you. Because we have an everlasting father that loves us, that supports us, that provides for us, sustains us, and keeps us going, comforts us, protects us, sometimes protects us from ourselves because we need it, because we mess up. That should bring us a sense of peace. That should bring us a sense of peace. See, when we know that our end game is to be more like Jesus, that's the end game. It's as simple as that, is to be more like Jesus, but it should make us want to be more like Jesus right now. To be more like him tomorrow than I was today and the next day and the next day. That's the goal. See, we can't set our hope in the things, in the stuff, in the places, in the relationships, in the success, in the mutual funds, in, in our health, in our possession. All of those things are gonna fall short. We simply can't put our, our trust and our hope in ourselves because all of those things, all of those things are gonna fall short in compared to our everlasting Father. Our only real hope is in our everlasting Father. Our hope isn't even in heaven. Hear me on that. You're like, what? Our hope isn't even there. Our real hope is in Jesus who's preparing a place for you and for me called heaven. Our hope is in Jesus. What child is this? This is Jesus. This is the everlasting father. Our connection point for today, and I hope for this week, that is hopefully encouraging to you, that hopefully makes you realize that you have a father that is, that is always there and is always supporting and sustaining you. Jesus is our everlasting Father. As simple as that statement is, there is so much truth and power in all of that. When we lean into our relationship with our everlasting Father, we find all of this and so much more because believe me, we could stay here for another three hours and brag on Jesus. It's just one more reason why celebrating the arrival of Jesus is worth celebrating because he is our everlasting father and you may not have a good relationship with your father. I get that. You can have one with Jesus. You can have one with Jesus. Listen, 
People fail. Fathers fail. Jesus doesn't. Let's look through the lens of our heavenly father who loves you so much and will never ever fail you. Will you bow your heads with me? Will you take the next few minutes to just quiet your mind and your heart, continue to do that and just ask yourself this question. If you were to stand before your everlasting father right now and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? If you don't know how to answer that, boy, do I have some good news for you. Because God created you to be with him as your everlasting father because he is. And it's our sin. It's where we mess up. We all mess up. That's what has separated us from him. And there is nothing you can do about those sins to remove them. We can't remove our sins by the good things that we do or, or trying to heap up our good deeds or, or, tr- or trying to wash ourselves clean. We, you can never get clean enough. And that's why Jesus came. That's another aspect of Jesus. That is the good news that he came to wash you clean, white as snow. He came so that you can know for sure that you're going to be with him in eternity. He paid the price for you and for me, for anyone and everyone. He died on the cross to cover your sin and to bring you into a right relationship with God. And you don't have to understand all of that right now. You don't have to totally get that. But if you're putting your trust in other people and other things and other places and other stuff, it's going to fall short. We need to put our trust in Jesus. And that eternal life that you can have by putting your trust in him can start right now and last forever. God saved you, will save you by his grace. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift of God. It's not by anything we do. So nobody can brag about it. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Father, I love you and I thank you so much that you are our everlasting Father. God, you are the same today, yesterday, and forever, and you always will be. You will always be there for us. And Lord, we will always need you to be there for us because we will always fall short. God, we are sinful people. And even though we put our trust in you, we will still mess up. We will still fail. But Lord, you never will. You will never fail us. And God, there is nothing that we can do that will separate your love from us. And we thank you so much for that. Jesus, I pray if there is one here, one watching online, that they're not 100% sure that they're gonna be with you in heaven. I pray that today would be the day that they would find that out, that they would know that for sure, that they could pray, they could cry out to you and they could admit that they're a sinner and they would repent. They would put their trust in you, Lord, just by believing in who you are, confessing that to you. And then your spirit would come into their life and they can receive the greatest gift ever. I pray that your spirit would just continue to move and guide and direct us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray, amen.